what really makes a pitch stand out in my inbox is one that comes from somebody that I actually know. And I don't necessarily mean somebody, you know, that I know in person and we hang out, but I mean somebody with whom I have a relationship, even if it's strictly digital relationship, but we've worked together. And in the past, you've been able to, um, give me the things that, that, that were useful to the type of content I create, um, avoid like being, you know, sort of obnoxious or sending, um, things that I found, you know, like morally questionable, you know, but it's people who have over the years really delivered things that have helped me. And so we've, we have a good working relationship. And so when I see that name in my inbox, that's when I click and I think, um, there's, you know, my default position is there's probably going to be something useful in here to me. That was Alice Steuben. You are going to love Alice when you hear her story. She is a journalist, went to school for journalism, did a lot of writing as a full-time employee, and now she is a freelance journalist. And in this episode, she is going to talk about how you can become a freelance journalist or just write for an outlet if you want. And then she's also going to get into pitches. What makes a pitch stand out to her? what mistakes people are making, how people can fix those mistakes. And then we go into the mindset of the small business owner that personally, it drives me crazy. I always talk about this when people say they're not big enough for media exposure. They're not ready to earn media exposure and they make all these kinds of excuses. I've heard um, myself talk about it with you over and over and over again. And now Alice is going to talk about it with you. So if you don't listen to me, then listen to her. This is something that I am going to cut a little bit out of it. You're not going to get all of what Alice says on this topic because I am going to take some away for those special people in my media mentoring program and in my three-day program, Pitch Publicity Profit. So please be on the lookout to hear all of what Alice has to say in there. And if you are not yet consuming my content off of the podcast app and off of YouTube, then make sure you head to MediaMavenAndMore.com and check out what I have going on there. But now, let's get into pitching to get exposure with Alice Dubin. Ever wonder how some people seem to get all the media coverage, but you don't? Go behind the scenes with a TV reporter, national on-air host, and news contributor who has interviewed celebrities, took you inside the Versace mansion, and even stood on a chair to interview basketball legend Alonzo Mourning. Get ready, because Become a Media Maven is the podcast where Christina Nicholson is sharing secrets from her years in front of the camera, in the editing booth, and now behind the podcast mic. Dubin, welcome to Become a Media Maven. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. I love talking to writers because they get pitched 24-7 like I did when I was a TV reporter, and I just love comparing stories. But before we get to that, you live in LA, and you write for Good Housekeeping, Women's Day, Prevention, Insider, Glamour, Fast Company, Parents, like a lot of outlets. How did you get started doing this? And is this something that is a full-time gig or is it a freelance gig or is it a freelance that pays the full-time income? Yeah. So sort of all of the above. Um, I definitely got a, I mean, I got a somewhat traditional start in, in journalism. I went to NYU for uh, grad school and got a master's in 
in journalism, cultural reporting, criticism. And, um, you know, back then, I think the aspiration was sort of going into magazines and that's, it was the Condé Nast, you know, heyday, the black cars, the expense, you know, um, expense cards, all that. Uh, but I actually got my first job um, in New York, my first staff job as uh, an editor for an event industry trade. So I started, um, you know, event reporting and it was really, really fun and lively and exciting. And that led me in all different directions, including back to um, LA where I'm from uh, when we were launching an LA bureau and, you know, had the chance to, to come and do that. And from there, I, um, you know, I, I did that for a long time. Actually, it's very close to my heart event coverage uh, on the B2B side. And then um, I, uh, to make a long story short, I was uh, started freelancing and that uh, uh, really grew and grew. And eventually it kind of um, uh, took up a lot of space and then itself morphed into a staff job where I was a um, I was a staff editor at Bravo TV over at NBC Universal and we were launching our lifestyle verticals and so I was heading up travel and food over there and then um, in the fall of 2019 right before the pandemic you know about five five months before the pandemic started I um, got laid off in a restructuring and of course, that was you know really hard it was really hard for my identity it never happened to me before um, and so I started freelancing, which I originally thought would be a, st a stopgap measure, and I would eventually be looking for the next, you know, staff opportunity. And my freelance business just grew and grew. And not only that, but I grew to just enjoy it so much and the flexibility and the diversity of the work that I get to do and the choices that I get to make. And, um, you know, it's, it's, um, well compensated. And so now I don't see that I would ever go back. So my freelance business is Alice Dubin Media. And I do, as you say, contribute to a huge range of outlets um, on the B2B side, B2C side, also some um, content marketing type of work and other copy work, but primarily journalism. And I love what I do. So I've been doing that now full time for two and a half years. So in summary, yes, it's freelance. Yes, it's full time. Yes, it pays the bills. And um, it's, I'm fully committed. I love it. Tell me how you break into freelance writing, because I feel like it's one of those things where it's competitive. You have to already know somebody on the inside and it's not as easy as it used to be. So I would say yes and no to that. Um, I definitely get a lot of sort of word of mouth work now or by now, you know, 20, 20 plus years into my career, I've known, I've worked with plenty of editors who have since moved elsewhere to other publications and that opens new doors and so forth. So obviously with anything, it helps to have experience and relationships, emphasis on the relationships. But I also think that now is kind of a great time to get started and freelance. Um, because there is actually a lot of access. So there are many, many Facebook groups, for instance, um, that, you know, where editors are calling for pitches or, or you know, people are calling for contract um, editing help or so forth. And you can just sort of throw your hat into that. Yes, you know, it's competitive. And some of those may tend to be more of the entry level 
uh, opportunities, but they totally build and develop. And I've in the last few years, couple of years really, um, actually gotten some great clients that became, you know, really big anchor clients and the work expanded and the scope developed into really exciting stuff from just responding to, you know, a posting in one of these industry Facebook groups. Um, I also, for people just getting started, um, I can't recommend highly enough uh, the industry newsletters include, and I'm certainly not just saying that because I have my own. In fact, I don't know that mine would be especially helpful to writers. Mine is more targeted towards publicists, but um, there is a newsletter called Opportunities of the Week, Sonia Weiser, I believe. And she kind of aggregates every, um, you know, editor calling for pitches on Twitter or wherever she finds them online, um, aggregates them into a super convenient newsletter. I think it's twice a week. And there's just tons of opportunities there and tons of leads and contact information. And I mean, that's like an amazing $3 a month to spend. Um, so I do think there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways, um, you know, to get into it incrementally. And you, of course, just have to keep chipping away and there is no substitute for relationships, but um, but this is, there are definitely ways to get started that I think are really accessible right now. Perfect. I will link to that opportunities of the week in the show notes. If anybody wants to take a look at that, um, I'm distracted by your nails real quick. And then we'll just digress for a second. <laughs> so pleased to hear that. <laughs> is this the glazed look that we're doing? Okay. If you're referring to this uh, Bieber thing, I am really, oh, she, oh my God, what is her first name? Haley. Haley Right? She did this thing where I think she, that went viral on. She actually did nothing. People just saw her nails. Right. And were like, oh, I love those. And they did, I think it was, you know, like chrome. Yes, which I tried and it doesn't look very chrome to me. You're watching this on YouTube and not listening. And it also depends on your, what the base coat is. That's true. So I learned. But I have been doing chrome for a long time. Okay, people. I care about nails. I think it is one way that I, as an adult person with two kids and a lot of responsibility, get to express like whimsy and, you know, creativity in my own life. So I, I. I care about nails, man. I, so I, Alice was on the trend first. <laughs> Let it be known. Let <laughs> it be known. Okay. Before we get into the good, the bad, and the ugly of people pitching you, first of all, how often do you take pitches versus how often do you already have your story and you're good and you don't like need a publicist or a small business owner to pitch you? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. And um, again, this is a topic that I write about a lot um, and talk about a lot with with industry folks. Yesterday, I wrote on my newsletter, which I said is, you know, geared to publicists. It's like five mistakes you're making when you're pitching um, because, and, and you know, how to not make those mistakes. Uh, in many cases, it doesn't take any extra time or it's just a little bit of awareness. Um, one of the things I say is that in many cases, especially when it comes to like gift guides, so, you know, products and services and things that you want included in holiday, you know, gift shopping roundups is I probably do have the store. I have the angle already. I know that I'm going to be writing about gifts for wine lovers or um, the best um, STEM toys for kindergartners or whatever the case may be. Um, in many cases, I already have that specific assignment and it is 
typically, most typically SEO driven. So um, I've been given that assignment because it's an instruction basically to meet readers where they are on online. That's what they're looking for. And that's, you know, what we're going to deliver to them. Um, so for that reason, I am more interested in hearing just a straightforward pitch of the product, like explain to me what the product or service is or with the business or why, um, why it's great, be like extremely brief, what is, you know, differentiable about it. And then I will be able to match it to assignments that I have. You run the risk if you already, you know, if you kind of pitch, um, I'd love to pitch this, this story for a story idea for, you know, sustainable, sustainable gift ideas. Um, and I'm not working on that story, but I'm working on something that for which the product could actually be a fit, but now I'm sort of distracted because you uh, framed it in an entirely different way in the pitch. So um, I say just kind of be as direct and straightforward as possible, brief. Um, I, I also say make make your um, pitch uh, email searchable if possible, because I, and I know many other journalists kind of use our inboxes as- um, As a Google? Yeah, sure. So um, if you just link out, for instance, to, this is a Dropbox link to all of our client assets in this library. Um, I, I don't know what that is. I won't be able to find it later by searching for it. Um, there's no keywords in there or phrases. And also it kind of puts the onus back on the, the journalist whose inbox is completely overstuffed to then um, do more work, to go and do the research in the library. And I, I'm not saying, please don't annoy me. Like that's annoying. I'm just saying that I won't have time to, to do it. So um, it's, it's not productive. Oh, I would say, please don't annoy me and don't do it <laughs> because it annoys me. <laughs> it well, annoys I, me. I think we have a lot of, obviously, you know, as lifestyle writers, we spend a lot of time talking to each other about that annoying pitch or that ridiculous approach or um, from a publicist. And then certainly publicists spend a lot of time talking to each other about, um, you know, how the annoying things that journalists do or stonewalling or whatever the case may be. And that's fair. We all deserve to gripe, right? But I think we can be most helpful to each other when we actually are transparent about these things. You're nicer than me. Oh, well. <laughs> You're nicer than me. When I was a TV reporter, I hated publicists. I was so annoyed by them. I did not want anything to do with them. And now here I am, the owner of a PR agency. You, you went to the dark side. I, that's what everybody says. I went to the dark side. So what makes a pitch stand out to you? Obviously, we want to keep them short to the point. Use those keywords. Just give you what you want. But can you think of any examples where you're like, hell yeah, I wish people would pitch like this? Yeah. So one thing, and I, I almost hate to say this because this is not... A, it's not immediately actionable necessarily, right? Or it's not gonna deliver results tomorrow. But what really makes a pitch stand out in my inbox is one that comes from somebody that I actually know. And I don't necessarily mean somebody, you know, that I know in person and we hang out, but I mean somebody with whom I have a relationship, even if it's strictly digital relationship, but we've worked together. And in the past, you've been able to, um, give me the things that 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 were useful to the type of content I create, um, avoid like being, you know, sort of obnoxious or sending um, things that I found, you know, like morally questionable, you know, but it's people who have over the years really delivered things that have helped me. And so we've, we have a good working relationship. And so when I see that name in my inbox, that's when I click and I think, 
um, there's, you know, my default position is there's probably going to be something useful in here to me. Um, and even if there isn't, I will typically respond with feedback because I do feel very duty bound to maintain my relationships. And um, so if it's a personal email and a personal pitch and we are, we have a personal relationship, then I am most likely to respond and, and to accept the pitch and find a place for it. Um, beyond that, I would say simplicity is the best way to go. Um, I even think bullet points, you know, can be useful. Um, let's backtrack a second to talk about subject line. Like I don't need anything punny or jokey. Um, I don't need the angle necessarily just, just kind of just the facts. Um, and then in the pitch, you might say, especially if it's a, a straightforward product, right? Like this is the product. Here's an embedded photo of it. Here's a link to it. It's available online right now. Maybe add any um, affiliate reference, you know, any reference to it being in a particular affiliate relationship network. Um, and then maybe add like a bullet point that says, um, I think this would be great for, uh, you know, wine lovers, gift guides, sustainable gift, blah, blah, blah. Just, just very briefly to kind of help direct my thoughts um, without suggesting that there's kind of only one way to cover this thing. Um, and then I also would certainly say if there is a, a, a story, like it's uh, from a um, woman of mom of color owned, you know, brand, um, there's an interesting story there, whatever the case may be, do go ahead and, and tease that a little bit so that I can understand um, which questions to pursue if I want to. And that way, um, but I think keeping it brief, straightforward, all in the body of the email is the way to go. So you mentioned affiliates and I wanted to ask you what you think has changed in the last year or two, something that I've noticed with my clients who sell products specifically is that if they are not on an affiliate network, they're mm -hmm. almost not going to get coverage. Yeah. I mean, I, do you want to explain what that means for people who may okay. not know? Sure. So, um, well, affiliate Okay. In, in very brief, like an affiliate link is, you know, if I'm doing a roundup of um, the 10 best weekender bags um, and I include a, an affiliate link, which is essentially a tracking link that's unique to that story and a reader clicks through and buys that product, they will, the outlet, not me, just to be very clear, <laughs> um, <laughs> unless it's my personal publication or newsletter, but the outlet will then get a, a, a share of the revenue you know, usually some insignificant, usually some small percent, possibly a larger or very significant percentage. Um, and this is really the direction that pretty much everybody is moving in. Um, you know, when I started in this business, this idea where you have, you know, you get like a commission for editorial content. It was like, so wrong. I mean, it was, it was anathema. It, and also, uh, you know, it was like there's church and state and what is yes. a whole new um, beast. And in fact, that is what it's a whole new animal. It's like its own genre, but that's not to say that it's on the margins. Um, everybody does it. You know, the, the New York times has wire cutter, basically just about every outlet on whatever scale of legitimacy is doing um 
affiliate content and it will be, um, you know, disclosed or disclaimed at the top, like, you know, whatever language, legal language, you know, we may get a share of the revenue if you, if you choose to purchase any of these products. Um, and it's just a very big part of the business model for many outlets right now. It's wild. It's the new way of advertising, even on, on, um, the today show and good morning America, when you see the steals and deals and deals and steals, like everybody's getting a cut. So with products, like I always tell people, if you have any kind of product you're selling, you need to get it on Amazon because there's an affiliate link there that anybody can get, or you need to get on an affiliate network site. And that is something that is separate from advertising, even though kind of is like advertising. Right. I mean, so gray. Of, um, yeah, these, I think these are all new territories, or as I said, I really think it's just its own format. It's, it's not a subset of like, you know, traditional things that we used to do. It's sort of like its own thing. Um, and I wouldn't say that you absolutely have to have, um, an affiliate, you know, relationship, um, for your product or service to be covered, but I would almost say that. Yeah. Words, I mean, because, because certainly there are exceptions and I know there are some cases like I've, um, contributed in the past to at least one outlet that the, the rule was, you know, affiliate there, there should be, um, you know, affiliate commissions available for any of the things that we include with the exception of, for instance, um, you know, woman of color, small owned small business, you know, for instance, I actually don't even contribute to that outlet anymore. So I can't say that I currently have, you know, exceptions that I'm, that I'm aware of. Um, I think, you know, the general ask is that it's the preferred, way for journalists to write a story and to build a story is that the products are available in, in, um, you know, to have that affiliate commission. That's not to say that the stories are not editorial. Um, I'm certainly creating stories from my own judgment and in some, or in many cases from my own, like very direct experience with testing, um, or using the particular item. It's not like you know, people say, please, please include this. Look, you know, the kickback is this amount. It's not like that at all. There, it's there. The the stories are created from our own editorial judgment, experience, testing, whatever the case may be. But um, you know, if it's if it has if it if it doesn't have an affiliate um, opportunity attached to it, it may not be something that we would be likely to consider for a story. Right. Right. Okay. I want to switch gears and ask you about, um, just the mindset of a lot of people that I work with. I work with a lot of small business owners, teaching them how to pitch, to be featured in the media. And a lot of them say, Oh, I'm not big enough yet. I'm not making enough money yet. I don't have a big enough team yet. I always say that actually helps you because when we deal with these bigger companies, like they're a pain in the ass because they have so much red tape. And right. there is this mindset that they are not ready to earn media exposure. So I want you to address that because I feel like just coming from me, they don't listen. So maybe they'll listen to the two of us. <laughs> are you referring to experts, expert commentary or product experts, experts, people who have created products? But I would say 
more on the services side, more on that expert side. They think they need all of these other things first to be worthy of the media coverage. And I'm like, no, no, no. You get the media coverage first and that makes you appear worthy. Right. And I think, first of all, just, just, you know, even outside of the world of media, but just in a completely general, um, you know, as, as a general rule, I think. I am stopping this podcast for just a second. Alice shares some great stuff here and it's so good. I kind of wanted to keep it a secret and I am pulling it away just for my audience in the media mentoring program and in pitch publicity profit. If you want to know more about how you can hear from experts like Alice and other people in my network, in addition to everything that I teach, then head to mediamavenandmore.com slash publicity to check it out. Okay, now let's get back to Alice. Okay, Alice, you've been amazing. I'm going to link to your website, your Instagram, and your Twitter in the show notes for this episode so people can start building a relationship with you so when you when they pitch you... They will not be strangers and you will stand out to them. Yes. And thank you. I would also add that um, I do have a Substack newsletter, alicedubin.substack.com. And in there, I include my um, open calls for pitches. So you'll always know what I'm working on and what you know your clients might be a fit if you subscribe and check it out. Love that. Alice, is there anything else you want to add that I should have asked? I don't think so. It was lovely talking to you. Awesome. Nice talking to you too. And we will see you on the internet and read all of your stories in all of the places. Thank you. I hope so. Take it easy. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't yet, make sure you tap that subscribe button. Share this with a friend. If you have a small business owner friend, be sure to share this episode with him or her. If you have ideas for future podcast episodes, then please let me know. I will see you. Again, very soon here on Become a Media Maven.